Welcome. This is Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now, the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. Genius. You are a damn genius. And this is what we do. We do podcasts now on television. This is Bleacher Blums. What are we at? Total right now about 63, 64? What do you got? 64. 64. I'm losing count because because of this quarantine. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I literally lost track of the weekend. Somebody, you know, offered, I'll actually talk about this later in the podcast, is uh, we tried a Zoom meeting with a bunch of Astro fans, and they said, hey, let's do it this Saturday. And it was about Monday, Tuesday. And I went, that sounds awesome. What day is that? When, you know, trying to figure out what day that was. I think we talked about that before, how we're just losing track of everything that's going on. But uh, we are here. We know that we are scheduled to do this podcast Every week, we are coming at you, obviously, on all of the podcast platforms, but also right on the Social Nostra YouTube channel. You can catch the video version of this. We've got some subscribers going out there. It's kind of leaked out a little bit, but we want to make sure that everybody knows that, yes, we are on video. And yes, true to form, you know, the hair is growing out a little fast. It's a little shaggy. I've already been outside sweating up a Pretty good storm, but thankfully, uh, video and podcast form does not have the uh, odoriferous emanations coming through. But uh, it's going to be a good podcast. I tell you what, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about AJ Hinch, Jeff Luno picking a hell of a year to get suspended, uh, Donald Trump's getting on the sports action. I don't know how much went down there. Uh, I've got an idea on how to spend some downtime during the social distancing, but I'm not sure it's going to be socially appropriate. I'm going to ask Tuttle about that. Obviously, what will Tuttle say is going to be out there. And truth be told, I've got a little bit of a somber blum and blummer because I'm a little concerned about how things are moving forward. But we have a great sponsor on this podcast. And it is, of course, they do all of our swag. You're seeing it right here. I've got my fisherman shirt on with the Bleacher Blums logo on it. And then we've got uh, Tuttle with the coaster that he'll show you, but uh, they've done a great job by us. And I know, Tully, you've got a couple of words because they're sponsoring us so well these days. Yeah, our uh, sponsor is uh, Crush City Tees, T-E-E-S.com. It's the place to go for custom H-Town baseball t-shirts. With their director machine, they can make your idea a reality with no minimums, no setup fees, and unlimited colors. They also provide embroidery and screen printing, design and printed in Houston, Crush City Tees, T-E-E-S.com. And I will say that uh, Mark over there at Crush City Tees has been fantastic for us. He's done these uh, coasters that we've talked about. Um, I've got a pin on since I couldn't get my Bleacher Blum shirt. Uh, if you order two t-shirts, I get you get the pin for free. We've also done some special Christmas t-shirts, St. Patty's Day, which we all missed in this uh, quarantine. And um, anyway, so uh, Mark over at Crush City Tees is fantastic. And um, please uh, check out his website. He does all the Bleacher Blums uh, swag and merch. So it looks like we are being joined here Oof. by somebody I do not recognize. Oh, my God. Dude, this, this, this corona quarantine has been terrible, man. The loaf is growing out. I don't know what to do with it. It's kind of my Joe Exotic look. Have you been Holy on the Tiger son. King yet? Well, I watched one episode. I don't think I can get through it You know what I'm anymore, saying? I go out and get me some big kitties. You need uh you need the mullet look. We need to get the, I know, the I got mullet to hair. Out the back. It's too much party up front, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's dude, where we're at. I, have, I'm, 
I've gone through the, uh, I went to the uh, costume bucket to try and find that mixed up a little bit, but that's how the hair's growing out a little bit, dude. It's getting gnarly, man. It is. How you been, gnarly. dude? Oh, I've been great, man. Been that's a really good way. To, <laughs> that's a really good way to start the podcast. You should have told me you were going to the, uh, the, uh, I guess Halloween bin is what we call it. But yeah, the costume bin. I have one of those there. I've got a couple uh, dark uh, wigs. I've got my fro wig that I always wear. My mm. Fletch wig, I call it, right? Oh, six, six foot six, four, but with the, with the afro? Six foot seven afro. Yeah, it's me. Um, anyway, I got a bunch of those. But yeah, I know the quarantine's getting us a little nutty. Uh, Blummer just proved that. You know, I love <laughs> prop. I have my, uh, my simple prop is a little Bleacher Blum's coaster for my... Uh, seventh cup of coffee that i'm drinking but uh it's uh this quarantine's been uh, a little challenging for everybody uh anyway uh, i don't know what you were going to do with the wig it, pretty good tiger king impression i think you need a little more mullet look to it yeah i was going to say i got to figure out a way to get that mullet going on that i don't have the mullet wig but i wonder is party city actually an essential uh, store to be open right now i could go go load up so Party City here is right next to Trader Joe's, and I had to stand in line at Trader Joe's this weekend, and Party City is not open. I'm oh, sorry darn. to inform you. Yeah, my wife went to Trader Joe's uh, yesterday or tried to, and uh, there was a bit of a line there, but uh, Whole Foods has been good. Costco's been good. I actually went over to Walmart today and picked up some paper towels because we've got this new dog that's driving me absolutely freaking bonkers, and it's not yet entirely potty trained. It's a, it's a little bit, but I have burned through so many paper towels, sopping up dog pee all over the place that it's been driving me nuts. So I was lucky to find more shop towels. I don't know if we talked about that, but those blue uh, shop towels that soak up all the grease in the garage, uh, th that's been actually a quality find for me. And it's kind of funny because my wife is like, these are nice. And I'm like, yes, they are. They probably clog every pipe in America, but uh, as long as we're, th as we're throwing them in the trash can, we're in good shape. Um, but uh, it's been an interesting week. You know, not, th not much has changed. Pretty much uh, the girls are doing very good in school. Uh, we're trying to become a little more routine oriented, which is kind of an issue because I'm a morning workout guy, but it seems like the days seem to drag a little bit. and I'm less uh, disciplined in getting out there early. I know that you have been working out frequently in your backyard. Are you a morning workout guy or are you an afternoon night guy? Definitely a morning guy. I've actually had the uh, ability, flexibility that I didn't know I had before to do some uh, in the afternoon. So this afternoon, I'm actually going to try after lunch to do my workout. It is pouring rain here. It's supposed to pour rain oh, wow. for the next four or five days, which is you know unusual in California, as you know. But um, but yeah, I have a really good workout planned. It's a 10 minute workout and it fires a dumbbell and the dumbbell is outside in a little uh, shed. And um, so anyway, long story longer, I, I can do the workout in the house and I probably end up doing that. But this morning at six five, when I kind of rolled out there, I was like, you know what? It's pouring rain, stretch out a little bit. The caution calling mm -hmm. my name. Yeah, I with you. I think good habits, um, like your fitness habits, I think they stay with you um, if you had them prior to the quarantine, but they're definitely alterations and some changes. And uh, I've tried to be a little more flexible. And by flexible, I mean, some days I skip my workout because I don't do it in the morning. <laughs> right? Uh, dude, I totally get that. Um, but uh, we actually, other than that, the only thing that uh, I think we tried to do out of the norm, and you caught wind of it on Twitter, 
And that was probably the, the problem to begin with is that uh, some Astro fans, uh, and most notably the one who initiated this whole process, her name is Brittany, and I do not know her Twitter handle, but she knows I'm talking about her. She did a very good job in trying to coordinate a meeting. And I think it ended up being about 14,900 fans tried to actually get into the Zoom meeting. But I think Zoom is a little overwhelmed and didn't anticipate the crush of people that were going to be uh, using the, the program, the app, the website, whatever. So there's been some technical issues. And I've actually heard through you know, some of these teachers using Zoom that there have been people finding a way to hack into these things. And it gets, it gets bad. Like, I have never seen anything like this in my life. Um, we, we all have that one friend that sends us the, the, the raunchy email every once in a while. And you're like, good Lord, dude, could you not send that? Because my eyes will never unsee that. Right. So we start the Zoom meeting and everything's going great. We got a groundskeeper on there that's telling us all kinds of stories. I'm asking him questions. Fans are lined up. All there are is just little boxes all over the place. And it was, an, it was incredible. So it was a lot of fun to see some faces and interact. Todd Callis got on there. Uh, Julia threatened to get on there, but that would have imploded the entire server because she's so popular. And we get to talk and all of a sudden you hear somebody, you know, banging on something going, oh, it's a slider, you know, and you anticipate the Dodger Yankee fans getting on there, being a little obnoxious. And then all of a sudden it turned into these wild electronic voices saying they're going to decapitate us. And then some of this, like some of the most filthy video I have ever seen in my life and discuss, I don't know how imaginations think up what I was seeing on the screen, but anyways, ended up being getting hacked and it was awful. And we, I immediately unplugged. I've never gotten to the point where I was just like appalled by something, but I eventually was like doing this one, trying to cover up the screen and then I covered up my face, but I'm actually trying to cover up what I'm seeing. And then my office has glass doors. I'm wondering if my girls are going to come in. I'm going, what the hell's happening? And eventually I just hit the, the leave the meeting and I got out of there and I tweeted at Brittany. I said, Hey man, you did a, you tried your best. Everybody was being great, but I had no idea that would happen. And we turned out the next day that there are these hacks going on inside zoom and to the point now that everybody's trying to find a different platform to do it on, but we're good and clean here on our zoom meeting. Thank goodness. Tuttle. And if anything pops up, I'm blaming it on you, man. Yeah. That hey, we need to password protect all this stuff. I mean, that's the bottom line. And I think what you and I've discussed on this podcast before is the anonymity of people. And I don't know how people think this stuff up, and I don't know where they get the idea that right. it's creative or exciting. We've always talked about keeping it clean. And um, you said you might have affected a few diamonds on there banging trash cans, but there's something about the anonymity. I just understand why people feel the need to. Um, I don't know, destroy or disrupt something based on the fact that they, you know, that they think it's going to be funny or, you know, I mean, it, it escapes me. And uh, I had threatened there too, and I had forgotten. And then when you told me about what went down and everybody unplugged, and I think, I think to your point about the unplugging, that's what I was going to bring up is that, you know, somebody is and they present an argument and they say, look, you know, like we've dealt with the, uh, you've dealt with the Astros controversy or, you know, personal stuff. We talked about steroid issue. When they can confront you and say, hey, look, this is what I think about um, what you're talking about, and you're able to um, address that or have an opinion on it, that's fair. That's fair game, and it's one thing to, uh, to uh, approach it like difference of opinion and say, all right, this is how I'm going to go after it. When it's anonymous and disruptive and disgusting and, you know, really not something that requires your attention, I think the only thing you can do is 
and uh, and bail. So it doesn't mean that what Christie tried to do is it Christie's uh, Brittany. Brittany. Brittany to do is the wrong thing, but it's just, you know, let's send out a password. Let's get 10,000 of our, of our uh, best closest acquaintances on there next time and uh, see it a little bit better. And I, and I think I told you it's the Laguna beach town council meeting was, uh, was, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a was good also, story. well, that made the OC register, but yeah, they didn't password protect their zoom call and uh, some live porn jumped into their, uh, <laughs> to their meeting. And I think that ended it. Uh, or as far as the paper wrote it, that ended it prematurely, but maybe not. Everybody's probably, who knows? There's always that one guy that's like, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> who are these people? What is their, <laughs> wait, next, what issues next are the they pocket. bringing to the forefront? Yeah, there you go. Well, you and I have talked about uh, our, one of our, well, one of my wife's favorite movies. I refuse to put it on my top 10 list, but Love Actually. But the, uh, the, the two actors, those are my favorite. Oh my gosh, actors. yeah. The, the, do, do porn actors actually have stand-ins? That's what, no it, like the parts they were playing, they were like the stand-ins or the stunt doubles, you know, while they were setting up the shot and the lighting. And <laughs> yeah, But that's my favorite, like out of that whole thing. Yeah. It's so strange. Like, hey, would you like to go get a drink yeah, after work like today? Would you like to get a coffee with me? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? She's looking down. Anyway, we, we've Timing gone off the everything. It's time gone to move off the, on. <laughs> gone off the rails already. Yeah, I do. Time to move on. We got mailbag. I know you're all over this. What do you got, Tuttle? Um, I do. So let's roll out the mailbag. Um, all right, Arthur G. AG. Reading my regarding PED use. I apologize for labeling it as a question. <laughs> this time, I actually have a question. Thank you. Um, I was about the Astros and George Springer. How much pressure does the union and the locker room put on first to set the market as opposed to taking a hometown discount? I know that playing for a winner and playing with teammates you like is so much more fun than the alternative. Nevertheless, often guys leave a good situation for the maximum dollars. I really enjoy your podcast, especially in crazy times like this. Thank you. Yeah, I think we kind of hit on this last uh, podcast where they were asking about, you know, how the taxes affect uh, ballplayers and their contracts or even the thought process. That's obviously something that has to go into the, the idea of where you want to play, what you want to play for. But at the same time, we also talked about there's some exterior influences in there. And most notably, it's going to be the agent. The agent wants you to get most money that you can because then their cut will be that much larger. Uh, take Scott Boris, for instance. He's always trying to get max dollar for his guys. And then you have the union pushing a little bit too, because the union is trying to help set the market for everybody else. It's not just about the, the Garrett Coles in the market or the George Springer's in the market. It's about everybody who's underneath George uh, and Garrett Cole, because if the market is set just a little bit higher, it means those guys are going to get bumped up underneath a little bit more too. So that's what those guys need is a little influence and a little help and encouragement to say, hey, we know you want to stay possibly in Houston, play for a little bit less, but let's think about what's going to happen to other guys. And that's, you know, maybe the good and the bad of playing in a union or being in a union, because the union's job is to go out there and protect your rights, protect your ability to go out there and make a dollar. And Major League Baseball has been very good about that in promoting their players and setting a market where they want it to be. And that sometimes supersedes what exactly that particular player wants. And they've got to go out and get top dollar because there's maybe five or 10 guys below them that need that money, that market set higher so that their pay uh, can raise up a little bit. Yeah. So I had a couple questions on that for you, actually, Jeff. And I think mm -hmm. that'll kind of piggyback the next thing. I think from my understanding of 
perspective when I've seen this with guys, the guys that take a hometown discount talked about this yesterday, just personally, like Tom Brady, right? His wife mm -hmm. makes of the money that he does, you know, he's not doing this for the money and he's associated or affiliated guys. Tony Gwynn comes to mind, you know, taking a hometown discount. He never wanted to leave San Diego. As a matter of fact, obviously went on to coach San Diego state shortly after mm -hmm. playing career because that's, you know, his hometown and he had a love for that. The guys like George Springer are kind of tweeners. Maybe he's considered in the Garrett Cole, like George Springer, like superstar range. But I think a hometown is really only applicable to a few type of player, types of players or a few guys for each franchise, maybe one guy. Like George Springer, in my mind, doesn't like me as the hometown disc of a guy um, unless he had a five or two long-term deal. And the and union may put pressure on somebody like who's kind of been a one, two, maybe yeah, two-year deal to take a four or five or six-year deal sells because of his success. Um, you know, um, what do you think about that? Do you see what I'm talking about in terms of the types of players that would take a hometown discount? Yes, absolutely. And I think the union actually steps in and understands that type of situation where they know that there is one guy. You can let one individual who's been at a, at a club, you know, whether it be a Jeff Bagwell, Biggio, a Tony Gwynn, some of these, you know, these tenured guys who are going to be in an organization and you almost as a union or as the game itself, you don't want a Tony Gwynn to go play for somebody else. You know, it's like Joe Montana going to play for the Kansas city chiefs. Now you've got Tom Brady going to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, it's, they almost force themselves to go play somewhere else after they they've taken the time to take the Tony Gwynn discount and play for San Francisco as long as they could. They played for new England as long as they could, but I agree with you. And you pointed out something, which I think is great that it's, maybe a handful of guys that have been able to do that and take that discount and stay where they're at at the same time. They may not have gotten top dollar, but they're getting pretty darn close to what it is. And sometimes it's even later in their careers where the money really isn't a factor anymore. And they really don't, their market is different than maybe a 27, 28 year old guy for a guy like Tony Gwynn, who maybe at 35 years old said, I'm just going to stay in San Diego. Family's comfortable. I want to retire here and establish myself post-career which is kind of interesting to me, but uh, you know, I, you know, I don't know if Albert Pujols was the first uh, spot that he wanted to be, but I know it was a TV contract that uh, changed his mind. And now he's established in Anaheim and they're going to eat that contract. But I think that day and age of extended contracts is going to go away, but you're still going to see short-term high annual uh, value go up. Yeah. Great. Blummer. Thanks so much for uh, providing some depth there. Hey Dave, anytime for you, man. All right. Uh, the next question is from Renee P. It's not really a question. It's a comment, but I felt uh, obligated to read it mainly because she pointed out something that I brought up last podcast. Hey guys, love the podcast. I'm very selfish that way. Listeners since episode one, huge Astros fan and missing baseball like crazy. Tuttle, I was so pleased and surprised to hear you mention Peter Atia. I'm a functional medicine pharmacist, and he's one of my favorite doctors. His perspectives on COVID virus have been so well-researched, and he provides great insight into what's likely to come. Thank you, Jeff and David, for providing fabulous baseball entertainment when our lives are so crazy. I get so excited every time I see the Bleacher Blums logo pop up on my podcast list of updated episodes. Stay healthy and safe. So just wanted to thank Renee for pointing that out. And, and you know, the functional medicine piece, I don't think we've talked about this. This is another little hobby of mine <laughs> being in a, in a medical profession uh, when I'm not podcasting, but functional medicine, essentially Blummer, you're probably well, 
well versed in this, but uh, functional medicine is kind of like, uh, you know, we've talked about our, our, um, our system right now, the way the insurance is set up and the healthcare system in general is very reactionary. So it's kind of like, hey, you know, I, I have a cold, then I'll go to the doctor instead of what we talk about, um, the health and fitness aspect. You know what? I should probably work out every day. I should walk the stairs instead of take the escalator elevator. Um, I should have some skin in the game to make it easier on my physician. And that's kind of the, the foundation of what functional medicine is, which is I'm eating healthfully, I'm working out so that I can take better care of myself so that, um, you know, more of a, like a proactive healthcare philosophy. And it sounds like, uh, Renee is deeply involved in that. And that's certainly what Peter Atia does. And, uh, it's, uh, it's good for the young folk to hear about that. And it's good for us all to, uh, think about taking better care of ourselves. No, I think you absolutely nailed it with the young people need to take advice from that. And I don't know if it's because we played sports and we were so active that we were worried about staying on the field. So you're a little more proactive in preventing injury. And I think now that I'm older, I definitely think more about preventing injury or trying to limit damage that I'm doing to my body. So I'll stretch a little bit more. I'll try and take the right supplements. I'll try and, you know, avoid taking a bottle of Advil to try and get through the day. You know, there's some other, other avenues to get, go through, but I think you and I try and practice a little more of the preventative medicine instead of that uh, reactionary, like you're talking about, but uh, it's an interesting stuff, but it's a lot of reading and research. Uh, but there's a lot of information out there. It's good that there is somebody like that doctor out there that actually has a pretty good handle and explains it well enough. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think becoming less niche and probably more mainstream hopefully yeah. as we go. So a um, couple more emails, uh, one from Wook Lim, Wook L. Uh, Jeff, love your podcast since Gordo put me on to it earlier this year. <laughs> Keep up nice. this work and congrats on your number retirement. Um, Thank you. Your yeah. It sounds like, you know, Wook. Your podcast keeps me connected to LA while doing my expat work here in South Korea. With all the various uh, players putting in, let's see, uh, with all the various efforts players put into getting an edge, how come cork bats are never heard of? Is it because of the obvious guilt when bats are broken? Is it because the players are in better physical shape and can whip that lumber through quicker? With all the improvements in pitching, thought the hitters would edge up as well. Thanks. Interesting topic. And it kind of, uh, it, it is taboo. Cork bats are taboo. Sammy Sosa back in what the late nineties, early two thousands got busted with one. Wouldn't and, cheat. What? Sosa wouldn't, Sosa wouldn't cheat. Well, I mean, how many different ways can you cheat by the way? I mean, good Lord. I mean, steroids, <laughs> steroids, this, I mean, and then swinging, you know, cheating lumber. What the heck? How old are, how old are you, Sammy? <laughs> uh, yeah, doctored, uh, doctored passports, who knows? Anyways, uh, but uh, the interesting thing, and I, I, I wonder if most people know this, the biggest misconception about cork bats is that it actually creates spring out of the barrel and lets the ball go farther. I want to offer a different theory on that because you can't put super balls in the end of a bat and have it create more power. The reason that most people drill a hole in the bat and put cork in is because it's lighter. If I'm swinging a lighter barrel bat, guess what? Bat speed. I'm going to get that bat whipping through the end of the end through the uh, strike zone. And I'm going to be able to get to pitches quicker. And if I'm able to be quicker to contact, guess what I'm going to be able to do. I'm going to let that ball travel a little bit further, see it a little bit longer and then smash it and get it going. So if I've got more bat speed, I'm going to be able to hit that ball a little bit farther. And uh, 
And I know that I've swung a cork bat in batting practice. I'd never use one in a game. I can, that's the God's honest truth. And for me, the reason I used it in batting practice was because I wanted to know what it was about. And I don't really feel like it did anything for me. I don't know if it was because of the style of bat I swung or if I didn't cork it right or whatever. But uh, we're probably far enough along to where I could tell everybody. I know, so there was somebody within the organization that would cork bats when I was in Montreal. And I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, but I think the reason that guys don't cork their bats these days, especially in this uh, new millennium and the, these new modern day ball players, is number one, uh, it is cheating. And I think they are scared of it because of the Sammy Sosa incident where if a guy makes a pitch, blows your bat up at 900 miles an hour, cork is going to go everywhere. And guess what? They're going to go, <gasps> cheater. And then you're going to get booted out, suspended, whatever it is. But how about this? I don't think baseball bat companies get enough credit these days for making very good bats. They're doing a great job of finding the right forest, growing the right wood, whether it be ash, maple, birch, whatever they're swinging these days. But maple seems to be the most uh, dense and hard and rigid piece of wood out there. But the technology has gotten so good and married it with the wood and the technology. They've come together and they've, made, they've created very good, very strong, very light bats. And that's why you don't see guys corking anymore. At least that's just my theory. Who are you? You just have an opinion. That's it. Right? Yeah, that's all. I never played. No. So, you know, what's funny is I actually knew the answer and maybe that's because players know. I mean, I, when I was in yeah. A-ball with uh, the Cincinnati Reds, and I'll leave it at that because you can always go back and find out teammates. There were two guys that were corking the bat, which is so funny as a pitcher. I should have been like, you guys can't do that, but <laughs> didn't care. You know, if you had a home run while I'm pitching, then maybe say you're hoping selfish, for run right? support, right? Yeah, and I knew that because I kept thinking, gosh, I mean, I don't know how much power that cork can provide. But to your point, it made the bat, you know, two, three, four ounces lighter. And all of a sudden that bat speed, you're trying to jam a guy that you could usually get in his kitchen. And all of a sudden he turns on it and takes it down the left field line. You're like, oh, all right, bat speed. All right, mm -hmm. that's right. So anyway, that's a little known fact. And hopefully everybody, uh, everybody understands that that's a, uh, that's a valuable thing. All right. Um, Let's see, a valuable way to cheat, I should say. Um, Kevin in Virginia. So hello, gents. So after watching Mr. Baseball for the umpteenth time to pass the time without baseball and watching the scene where Tom Selleck gives the Japanese player a hot foot, it got me wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I remember that. Who was the biggest prankster each of you can remember playing with? And what was one of the funnier pranks you can remember either seeing this little things in front of my reading uh, or pulling on another player? As always, thanks for the good work and keeping us in this weird, weird time. Love the show. Thanks, Kevin. I actually have an easy answer to that. And uh, Bring it. so let me go first on that. So when I was in, um, I guess, was it AAA? Yeah. Well, we had A-ball and AAA with the Diamondbacks when they first started, but we had the, uh, the pleasure of being a teammate with Mark Davis, the Cy Young Award winner from the Padres. Oh, okay. Dude, I don't know if you've ever met him or crossed paths with him. Nope. He is the prankster of all pranksters. He's the funniest guy. And, you know, going into AAA or AA with him, you know, he's coming back down from the big leagues, having already won some big awards, and he was trying to make a comeback and had a really – he was really notorious for having a, a wicked curveball, 12 to 6-er from the left side. But he taught us stuff that we just – we were so naive and had no clue about. <laughs> and that just is why it made such an impact. But one of the guys on the team didn't know who he was and was messing around with him. So he, uh, 
gosh, I'll never forget that. And this is a kid who did not like to be pranked and didn't know what pranks oh were. You yeah, always you got to be careful with guys. who you're pranking too, man. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, oh yeah, that thing go flying across the clubhouse. So um, <laughs> he, he froze his shower shoes. That was, that was the best. I mean, of course, now it's like I've seen it a million times and I'm sure you have too. But basically everyone wears shower shoes into the shower and comes out and uh, he put him in a bucket of ice frozen, put him in the freezer overnight. And then the game wraps up and everyone's shower shoes are in front of their locker and the guy comes in and he's got two ice blocks. (laughs) That's awesome. And so it's not even, I love that you're laughing. It's now in my mind, it's not even that funny of a prank. But this it's kid great. had never seen it. And Mark Davis is like, watch this, watch this. And he just puts his shoes over there and everyone's watching and just waiting for that moment of recognition. It was great. So oh, Mark man. Davis, by far, I have like 10 other things that guy did. Most of them I cannot share on the podcast even, but well, I was, was say, a riot. Isn't that the biggest thing? It's like, you got to be careful what you do share because some of these pranks aren't, what is it, NS. NSFW not suitable for work or whatever that you know that uh, that anagram is Uh, so yeah some of these are NSFW but uh, you know Trevor Hoffman was a guy why is it always pitchers that are always these 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 goofballs that are like just get bored out of their mind and try and get creative of how to mess with guys but uh, Trevor Hoffman had one that was highly entertaining he would every every day game there would be breakfast before games and there would be two boxes of donuts usually at every ballpark we went to both home and on the road. And Trevor would, Trevor was usually the first one there, last one to leave, but he was the first one there on these day games and he would show up and he would go through every donut in every box and take just one bite out of all of them. And he would sit in the back of the food room, sipping his coffee just watching guys go up there and, you know, all of a sudden they, they peel open the thing and go, God, coffee, you son. And they turn around, he'd be like in the back going, you know, drinking his coffee with a nice little giggle. Eventually, uh, 2007, I think Michael Barrett signs with the Padres and we're in there and he catches wind that Hoffman's doing this. So he takes one of the jelly donuts and took a straw sucked all the jelly out of one of the donuts and proceeded to punch a hole into the donut and put, man, it was like, it was like Tabasco mayonnaise and, you know, something else in there, man, mustard, but he like mixed it all together and fired it in there. And I mean, sure enough, you know, the one Barrett showed up early that day and he's sitting in the back with his cup of coffee and he's going, and man, he takes a bite out of this thing, spits it all over the place, and, and Barrett was dying laughing. But uh, that was one of the better ones. Uh, there's a particular individual that I will not name on this podcast because he's in the whole thing. I will give that away. But uh, um, I think he had he w- he was one of the dirtiest people I've ever seen in my life, and he would do some of the dirtiest and grossest things I've ever seen. But one of the ones that I think I can tell you about that won't it'll it'll disgust you, but it won't really but it won't even show you the extent that he would go to to get you he would take q-tips and i don't know if you know if there's an earwax problem this guy had but he could get in there and he could pull out like these globs these globs like globs (laughs) and you've seen q-tips like the q-tip like the white tip you couldn't see it those are hall of fame globs come on let's be let's be yeah part of me wanted to like take it down and like preserve (laughs) it and sell it on ebay but there you go (laughs) he would take he would have these two two q-tips after going in both ears and go up to the bathroom mirror stick them to the bathroom mirror and walk away 
and you roll around, you look at what the, uh, you know, as you're trying to do your hair. That was pretty nasty. That's gross. I think I know who that is. Um, you know, what's funny is you brought up another uh, point because I know Hoffy fairly well. So my first year with the Reds, Hoffy had gone from a double A or like Cedar Rapids shortstop to a closer in double oh, wow. A. So Hoffman bought a car in Instructional League for like $400 down in Plant City, Florida. Dude, that that was a, hey, can we all get a ride? We had like nine dudes in this like Cutlass Sierra. Like, Great hoopty. With, with, oh, it was a hoopty with Hoffy driving. Dude, he is, I mean, we could tell stories about him forever, but he's the one that kind of started. It wasn't so much pranks, but the bullpen with that guy for like two or three games. I learned a lot, man. I grew up fast. <laughs> you know, we're, we're close to the same age, but man, I grew up fast. Like I, all right, I'll give you $20 if you eat that. Like, oh, oh man, not, dude. I am not going to eat that. I'm so sorry. Oh, we had, we had, it's funny you bring that up. We actually had a guy that did that in Arizona. He was the batting practice pitcher, uh, Jeff Matuzis, I think it was. And it was a, if you Google Matuzis, I don't know how to spell his last name. It had a Z in there somewhere. But if you actually Google his name in Wall Street Journal, they wrote an article on him and it said he's, he earned like a good ten, twelve thousand $12,000 a year doing just crazy stuff. Like, you know, right. just 100% uh, mayonnaise milkshake, you know, drink it in 10 minutes. Was he with the Diamondbacks ever? Cause I think, yeah, I no, that's how I met him. Oh, he was with yeah. the Diamondbacks. You probably oh, know him. I do. I mean, I, I saw him eat some stuff, but when oh. I was in the, when I was in the fall league and I, this guy's name escapes me and I can't think of it right now. He pitched in the big leagues for the Royals. He was a closer at Wichita state kind of a oh, stocky uh, kid. Um, not Darren Dreifert, but... Oh, um, that's who I was thinking it was Darren Dreifert. Oh, no, Dreifert. but Dreifert, I know him as well. He was on Team USA that one summer too, but uh, oh, well, I'll come up with it. Um, Blumdahl, but uh, not Blumdahl. That Ben Blumdahl paid for D. Anyway, I'll look him up. That guy was very similar to Hoffman. He reminded me of Hoffman, and he would eat anything, and that's probably uh, the end of the mailbag. Uh, we do have a couple of things that we can bring up next podcast, but uh, yeah, anyway, so we'll have to think about that. So we obviously enjoyed that question from Kevin. There are plenty of pranksters and plenty of things that we've seen, and woo, I don't know. Some of us want to remember. It's not as bad as the Zoom call that you were a part of, Ooh. but um, but there's some stuff that I saw like, that go on in the bullpen that I do not want to ever see again. Yeah, and you kind of feel as much downtime as we've got here in the corona COVID era that we're living in. There might be an opportunity to get creative out there, families. So kids, if you're listening, don't try this on anybody in your house. Uh, could go awry. But uh, good job on Mailbag. We appreciate everybody going to bleacherblums.com. And of course, there, there's several things you can find on that website. Obviously, more information about Tuttle and I. You can go to the Mailbag, send us your thoughts and comments, as long as we keep them Zoom-free, hack-free, clean. And then also some swag, uh, you know, there's a lot of shirts, a lot of hats on there, some of the coasters and whatnot that will get thrown in there. But uh, we appreciate everybody who gets on the mailbag and gets in there. And of course, subscribe, rate, review the podcast and our YouTube channel whenever you get a chance. But we're going to move forward. And we've got a couple of topics that I want to bring up and just spitball before we get to what will Tuttle say. And the first one that I mentioned earlier in the podcast is how about this? We talked about how Major League Baseball and the union are working out how to pay some of these guys, how service time is going to happen, you know, whether or not they play the season or not. And the one thing that popped up and they confirmed is that the Major League Baseball will recognize a year's worth of service for anybody on the 40 man or anybody who qualifies for it, even if the season isn't played. That being said, brought up an interesting point in regards to A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno is guess what? If they're getting service time, they're getting credit for their suspension. So guess what? They picked a hell of a year to go out there and get suspended. 
Do you think that is right, Tuttle? And if you're A.J. Hinch or Jeff Luno, how happy are you? I, I actually just think this supports the theory that um, the COVID-19 was uh, started by Astros management and players. <laughs> oh, man, I dude, think there you go, dude. <laughs> it's, the, it's the conspiracy theory all over again. No. Yeah. Um, so, again, I, I think, I mean, if players are getting credit for service, I mean, it's a year suspension. It's a very unique situation and obviously a fluid uh, a fluid um, kind of discussion. But I think, you know, I mean, it is what it is, right? It's a year suspension. They're not getting paid uh, based on the calendar. But uh, unfortunately, neither are you and you're not suspended. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't – I guess it doesn't quite seem right. It doesn't seem like the, the punishment – would fit the crime, especially when they've come clean. But, uh, but I mean, that's a, that's an interesting, um, kind of dynamic that's come from the, the COVID-19. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I mean, I, I'll go back to my original thoughts, which are Jeff Luno is going to have a really hard time getting another job in baseball. And I think many chomping at the bit to get AJ Hinch in their dugout. And I don't know why that that's what my instincts tell me. So good for AJ because I feel like another job on the horizon and it's coming quickly uh, for Jeff. It's probably, you know, I don't know, I, I guess the best thing that can come out of this for all Astros fan, anybody that's associated with um, the scandal is that, you know, we have something else that's kind of taking priority and taking the forefront as uh, Tom Verducci pointed out in that article, um, you know, that this is something that's obviously a little more serious and maybe gives us some perspective on what we're dealing mm -hmm. with. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't want to speculate on anything, but I agree with you in the sense that maybe there's a GM or an owner out there that's going, well, huh. So season, the season suspended and I just hired a manager. Could I fire a manager? You know, I mean, there's probably some wheels spinning out there as far as how, who can go out there and enter the AJ Hinch sweepstakes, which would be kind of interesting if there weren't any games played, which I hope isn't true, but at the same time, you know, it would uh, it would create a unique perspective on who wanted to try and get AJ Hinch. Now, that being said, we also heard from Rob Banfred that he is going to levy some consequences to the Boston Red Sox. Now, would it because it's been such a delay in getting some of that information out? Would it be a, like a retroactive or a time served type suspension issue with them? You know, that's what I'm kind of curious about. Yeah, no, I mean, who knows? I was just going to say the Red Sox. Have might be they're trying to fill a managerial job be very interesting to see aj Hinch <laughs> slide into like the red job wow. after they get i mean wouldn't that the time mm -hmm. served happen those jobs those are open and you have to feel like carlos beltran and alex Corral was somebody like aj Hinch. i mean it's certainly a possibility and uh, and you know definitely a discussion probably that will uh will take place a little more um uh, next off season if we have a season yeah, it could be an extended offseason, depending on what Major League Baseball is able to do. And that's going to do it for that. I want to move on to the social distancing. It's kind of creative and interesting, uh, the thought uh, that I had, because I am actually, I have actually done this. I will confess to you fully that I love playing the game of golf. I have created a very good circle here in Houston of being able to play golf uh, with some friends. One of them turns out to be the guy that's trying to teach me how to swing a golf club, which isn't going very well. So I hope he keeps his spirits up because I have done nothing but frustrate him every time we play. Uh, there's been flashes of brilliance covered by an ocean of frustration that uh, I think I bring upon myself by not being able to repeat a golf swing for some reason. But that being said, 
Tuttle, when you go, have you been outside doing any walks around the, a neighborhood? Have you done any conditioning outside? Do you run miles? Do you walk? You know, how, how do you handle your outdoor activities if and when you get the chance? Yeah, so we, I've kind of done it all. We talked about the workouts earlier. Um, last few workouts I've had have been like barbell or dumbbell in the backyard with like a 400 meter run. So I've gone all the way down the block and back. Okay. Um, you know, somebody was walking their dogs towards me. I went in the street and ran in the street. Um, what I found, you know, we've been taking our dog, boy, our dog's benefited by from this quarantine immensely. He can't go to the dog park because that's closed. But I mean, he gets four walks a day, you know, kids are home. Hey, take mm -hmm. the dog for a walk. My wife and I take the dog for a walk. She'll take him. I'll take him. I mean, he's, he gets walked so much. He doesn't know what's going on. The difference is to your point, I think this is what you're asking. When we go out there, it's like a, it's a party, man. I mean, we're walking on the trails. I mean, we pass like 50 people every day. Yeah. Um, and the social distancing is like, we'll either talk to neighbors across the street, you know, 20 feet away, or if it's just a, like a friendly wave and nod, if it's someone we don't know very well, you still kind of clear that, that 10 foot swath, you know, you kind of scooch yep. way over like, hello. And then you come back in and you're like, all right, we're, this is our sidewalk now. So it's yeah. been, it's been unique, but yeah, I, I find it a more crowded out typically on the trails and the roads than I normally do. And I think so that's what that, th that sets up my question because I'm with you. I have a lake out in front of the house. It has this trail forever around it, which is perfect for what we're trying to do as far as staying in shape and getting outside, enjoying the weather that we've got here in the middle of uh, spring. Is golfing taboo? I have heard and seen reports where people do not like the golfing. And I know that my wife is a little concerned when I go out and play golf, but the way that golf is played on a normal basis, you're not, you're, you're sitting in a cart with a guy and you don't necessarily stand two feet away from a guy when he's swinging a club, that's dangerous. Now it has turned into a situation where when I do go play golf, there's no rakes in the bunkers there's they actually put these you know those noodles that you have in the swimming pools they've actually cut them and put them into the into the uh, hole so when you putt it it doesn't go all the way to the bottom of the cup and you can just grab your golf ball out of there pretty quick so you're not grabbing the stick i'm not picking up my my buddy's clubs he's on his own and when we do drive we'll have two bags on the cart and one guy will walk one guy will drive and we'll rotate holes on who's driving and who's not now granted We've got golf gloves on, so I'm driving left-handed because my golf gloves on my left hand, trying to avoid touchy-touchy. But uh, is golfing taboo? Is it frowned upon? And should I feel guilty about getting out and playing golf? So I, here they shut down the golf courses. So I don't know. I mean, even from a walking perspective, I think they did that from a financial perspective <laughs> instead of mm -hmm. opening it up and having to collect money. I, I you know, I don't. I guess it's up to you. I know plenty of people that live on a golf course and they live on the fourth and fifth hole. I think they just play the fourth and the fifth hole 75 times. They just walk those two holes. I don't see anything wrong with that. It's you and one of your buddies wants to go out and hit uh, golf balls that way. Golf courses are not closed in Texas. And so you actually can still get the cart and you can still, like you said, putt against the, the foam and all of that. I mean, I guess it depends on who you're going uh, you know, like we've done before, like, Hey, we've got two. All right. You guys join these two and you guys can play. I mean, if you go out there with your buddy, I don't, I don't know. I guess the guilt probably comes. Everybody else is locked in their house doing anything. <laughs> what are you doing out there? Four. But, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. It seems a little, um, uh, unusual to be out there golfing at a time like this, but if, 
I don't guess I don't fully understand the question. If the courses are open and you and your buddy agree to go and you're taking precautions, you know, yeah, chaos su problema. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing too. I think nowadays, I think we just need to be more conscious about how we're handling situations. You know, if you go to the, you know, I'm going to be, I'm probably in more danger going to the supermarket than I am going to, you know, play golf, especially if you see me hit the golf ball. Usually I'm about 150 yards away from everybody else, like in the other yeah. fairway. So it's probably the other, the other guys on the course that are worried about getting near me. They're like, who's this guy coming all the way over here? But, uh, you know, it's, it's tough and I try and I don't try and justify it. I just try and enjoy the moment and go out there and play uh, some golf and get out of the house a little bit, which we encourage our kids to do, riding bikes around the lake and getting out there and working out. And uh, that's actually been a, maybe a side benefit of this whole situation is I think more people are becoming more active. And uh, I think that's a very good thing. And real quick, the last thing before we get to what will Tuttle say, I thought it was kind of interesting to uh, see that uh, our, our great president <laughs> Donald Trump uh, reach out to all the commissioners of major sports. And I don't know what you've heard about it, but everything I heard was it was very positive and encouraging and that he's trying to convince everybody that uh, we may be able to get some of these seasons going and start football on time, get some, some semblance of a baseball season in. But the one thing that kind of caught me off guard a little bit, and I don't know how true it is because we don't know who's on these phone calls legitimately because of the information coming in and out. But rumor has it the NCAA wasn't on that. And I find that kind of in, intriguing a little bit that uh, either they opted out or they uh, were not even asked. Yeah, I saw, I saw the same thing. I don't rumor. I think it's a true, the truth, um, the truth as stated, but I, um, you know, I, you know, I, I think again, maybe it's just a misconception from President Trump's advisors that it's an amateur uh, sporting institution, which I know many people would disagree with since it's a money maker. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, maybe there's been a lot of attention around that as well in terms of the, what the athletes are going to get, that they're going to have the scholarships, you know, uh, extended for the next year. And they're kind of, I don't know, in many ways, a separate entity. And we've always done that with Olympians that are amateur, quote unquote, amateur athletes, very similarly, that maybe he just felt like the dialogue um, amongst the professional sports leagues would be a different of, um, you know, the conversation would take on a different scope and that they weren't relevant. And gosh, probably with the NCAA, he could probably have his own phone call and have a bunch of directors and representatives from different universities. But that is interesting information, but I'm not really sure what to do with it. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there's much going on with it because the story kind of went kaput real quick. And I think that's going to do it for some of the topics that I wanted to throw out there at you right here in the middle of the podcast. But I know that what we are all cheering for right now and anxious to hear on this call is, of course, Woodle, Tuttle, say, bring it, Tuttle. Nice. couple things. So um, fortunately or unfortunately, Tuttle was able to get back out into the real world this weekend. I went over Watch to Trader Joe's. So service. That's right. So customer service. Here we go. This is close to customer service. We got it again. <laughs> No, the customer service in Trader Joe's was fantastic, I must say. Every employee there was now wearing a mask. So again, I don't know the differentiators between Texas and California, but it seems like we're taking a more hardline approach now. And I actually got a mask from my neighbor who uh, is an ex, uh, she used to run like CPR training classes and things like that. So she has one of these high-end masks. While grocery store, I would say, let's see, all the employees at Trader Joe's had masks on. Um, probably 75% of the customers had masks on and I had this mask. So I put it on and wore it while I was in the store, a totally surreal experience. I think the lady in front of me said it best. She said, man, do you feel like you're in the twilight zone? I'm like, yeah, totally. Like we didn't, 
there was probably 30 people in Trader Joe's. Shelves were completely stocked. I wasn't like mm -hmm. fighting or elbowing or grabbing, you know, I was grabbing bananas and grabbing everything else. But, you know, only about 30 people in the store and everybody keeping a safe distance from each other it was fantastically interesting and surreal, like the Twilight Zone. But as we all know, my focus is typically on human interaction when I head out into the public. And this wasn't so much customer service, but we, um, our Trader Joe's is doing like eight to nine o'clock in the morning, seniors get in. So specific senior and disabled hours, totally legitimate and fair. And then after that, um, they kind of put a line of folks. So um, our Trader Joe's had a line kind of along the front wall. There's probably like 30 people in line. So I was probably like 25th in line, I guess. And they have tape on the sidewalk and maybe you're experienced, you have experience with this or your wife does or anybody that's gone out. Okay. So we're all kind of standing on the sidewalk about five feet. And, you know, it took about 20 minutes Two people leave the store. It's like being in an old nightclub when you're not with a hot <laughs> chick, right? <laughs> you know, they're like, uh, you two girls, you can go in. No, you schlubs, you stay over there. Yeah. You two women come in and you're like, oh man, I'm never getting in. So by the time I got up to the front door, I'm like third or fourth in line. It was like two people leave, two people in. This lady kind of waddles out of her car, hazards on some older guy. She pulls around and parks and uh, is this a line to get into the store? Like, you know, and what gave it away? That's right. So many things like, what do you, stripes with John Candy? What are you guys doing? Playing cards? Like, <laughs> yeah, this is the line to get in the store. The guy behind me was actually more fired up than I was, which makes it, you know, the funniest thing anyway. Uh, and everyone's like, yep, this is the line to get in the store. She's like, uh, do senior citizens get to go in? And the Trader Joe's employee thankfully stepped out of the door and said, you know, because this lady's now standing, I'm two away from going in. There's, I'm sorry, I'm third in line. There's two people in front of me. And then there's the door, the sliding glass door. And then this lady's kind of gotten into their space right up front, like, you know, oh, looking no. around, you know. Um, and the employee steps out, you know, she's like, can seniors come in? The employee comes out. Oh, we actually have a specifically designated senior hour from eight to nine. What about after that? And they're like, well, I would just suggest that you come between eight and nine. And then she kind of looks at the people in line and the lady in front of me says, she goes, are you, oh, you're a senior citizen. Will you, I mean, it's fine. Like, go ahead. And there's like 28 people behind me that just a collective, like, what? Like, you didn't ask everybody. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, I said, there's no in the store regardless. Like she is not, she's got it all figured out now. And that's the thing, I guess, part of this, what'll Tuttle say is I can't figure out, honestly, if she had it figured out and she's working us, or if she was just going to play the, the, if she was playing clueless or being clueless. But finally that lady kind of said, well, it's okay if you go ahead. And then the guy in front of her was like, well, not really. And then I look at the other guy, I go, this lady's going in the store. And somehow she kind of just stood by the door. I've got, you know, my husband's waiting in the car. And, and then she went into the store. Like the next person went out, she went in. And I was like, she disappeared. I never saw her again. But I, was, I should have known from the minute she walked up to the front door, it looked like she was gauging, like, is this the line? And the, when do seniors go in? And anyway, so I hope that's an entertaining story. But that, the whole point is, like, I think this lady knew very well that she was going to be able to get into the store. I don't know if she was getting any groceries that, that I specifically needed. Honestly, if somebody had asked me, because I don't want to come across like the, uh, the customer service and anti-people uh, person that I do on this podcast, especially <laughs> in what'll Tuttle say, but I, I, if she asked me if she could go in ahead of me, I would have said, sure, go ahead. But just mm -hmm. 
you know, the loud, like clueless, like, ah, what, what about seniors? She Very got in. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now that now they're on the podcast. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm gonna let her in. Of course. I'm, I'm Mr. Congeniality over here. That's right. Hey, now that you guys can see me, look at my face. I'm a genuine, <laughs> honest guy. So, hey, and then, oh, go ahead. I got a couple things. Where okay. I went out the other day to uh, Lowe's and uh, CVS wearing the mask, completely surreal. Yeah. And uh, even today when I went to um, Walmart to pick up uh, some paper towels, it is so weird to have the mask on, everybody else have the mask on and everybody's spaced out accordingly. Mm -hmm. And then over the loudspeaker, you don't hear you know, the casual you know, lounge music going. You've got instructions on how to handle society these days. Remember to social distance. If you have a face mask, wear a face mask. Remember to be, you know, I'm like, oh my God. I felt like it was out of, you know, 1984 or something, or, you know, con contagion or outbreak. I'm going, what? You're looking around going, where are the cameras at? Because you felt like you were in a movie. Yeah, 1984 is the one I was thinking of. I mean, yeah. gosh, like, all right, everybody walk over here. Okay. Or what's the one with, um, with uh, Tom Hanks or Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, where he has the chip, right? Isn't there a... Um, Oh, there's man. an AI one, like artificial intelligence. I don't know. There's one where the identity was. Anyway. Worlds, I don't know. He's, he's done yeah. a couple anyway. of futuristic ones, yeah. Yeah, but those are like where the chip or total, all, I guess, for that matter, right? Where you got the chip implanted in your- Yeah, total recall. Head, so. Yeah, total recall. It's a good one. Anyway, so I do have all one right. more thing, and I wanted to bring this up, and I think it'll dovetail nicely into Blum and Blummer. I read an article this week uh, about Shin Su Chu donating $1,000 to 190 minor league players. Um, I think it's the Texas Rangers. Is he still with the Rangers? Yep, you're exactly yep. right. So 190 players got $1,000 from one individual player. So obviously it's $190,000 from Shin Su Chu, which, uh, you know, I mean, I love when people say, well, he can afford it. Yeah, well, I mean, if he couldn't afford it, he wouldn't do it. But the gesture in, it, in and of itself is a fantastic thing to, um, to, to respond to and to understand because of, uh, the position I found myself in in the minor leagues, we didn't get a lot of uh, handouts and not a lot of people looked uh, looked after us. And this is a really tough time in terms of, um, you know, keeping your head above water if you're still trying to make it to the big leagues and be a professional baseball player, but not get paid for what this three month period, it's going to be really hard to stay in shape and put food on your table. So anyway, just hats off to Shin Su Chu um, donating a thousand players. And I think if he does that and a couple other players do that, then, you know, within another month, a uh, month and a half, maybe six to eight weeks, we're back on the field and, you know, getting paid for the job that we do or that those guys do now. Um, it'll be a fantastic thing. But that's all I got for what will Tuttle say. But I want to piggyback on that and say great job by Shin Su Chu. Uh, you know, I think it's amazing when you see people helping out. But I also, you know, baseball's a brotherhood. And I think Shin Su Chu is a guy who, in, in doing what he did, explains to those guys playing behind him, saying, I understand. I was there. I, it is it is crazy how tough it is. And Tuttle, you and I, you know, we probably, if we dug through enough paperwork, we could probably find some pay stubs that we had where we made $1,000 in two months. You know, that's how the minor leagues work. It's, it's not a beautiful thing. It's an agonizing thing, but it's a labor of love where you go down there, grind it out in the minor leagues to get to the big leagues. And then you add this on top of it, the whole Corona COVID thing going on. And these guys are out of work, not by their own fault. And so anything, anything counts for these guys. So I think it's great that they did that. It's also the same week that uh, Justin Verlander uh, jumped up and said that he's going to donate any paycheck 
or any funds that he gets from Major League Baseball are going to go straight to uh, charity that he picks out every week. I, I think that's a great thing. So a lot of these gestures by these people who have enough money to do so is amazing. But the fact that Shinsu Chu, I think he should be applauded even more because he keeps it in-house with the baseball players and says, I recognize how hard this is. I've had my success. I want you to at least be able to survive maybe a month on this stuff. Here's some money. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I, I hope it's um, kind of what we've talked about on this show uh, many times is just uh, giving a shout out to the responders and people that do well by others. Um, hopefully other people can jump on the bandwagon and be able to donate yeah. some of their money as well. Some teammates and things like that. So that's all I have, Blummer. Let's, uh, let's throw it to you. You got a good topic for Blum and Blummer today? You're going you're gonna to set up Lloyd and Harry with some excitement? Yeah. We, you know what? It should be exciting, but I said it's going to be somber early on. And it's kind of the reality of what's going on these days and some of the conversations that we read about in the papers and online from uh, people who have sources, who have sources inside the source, you know, source sanctuary of Major League Baseball or sports. And uh, Governor Newsom out there in California, even after Trump came out and said, you know, hey, everything's looking okay, we might be able to get the season started on time. Newsom comes out and says, no, we're not going to do anything. Even the city of Toronto uh, issued a, a statement saying they're not going to allow mass group events until the end of June, I think it was. So they may make accommodations for sporting events with nobody in them. So I think that's becoming more and more of a reality, like we've talked about several times on this podcast of seasons maybe being played with nobody in the stadium. I hope that's, the, I hope that's what happens because I want people to go out there and play. I want people to see the game. But let's say worst case scenario that the baseball season is shut down and the tragedy of not seeing guys like Mike Trout. I think missing a year of Mike Trout would be awful because these are guys that we are watching our, in our time in this generation who are going to be future Hall of Famers. And I feel cheated out of this situation where I don't get to watch guys like Mike Trout. I don't get to watch guys like Jose Altuve go out there because he's on pace. If he plays as hard as he does for the next 20 years and gets 200 hits, guess who he's going to get near? He's going to get near Pete Rose as far as hits. I don't think it'll happen, but we don't know. And now we're removing a year away from these guys to be able to accrue stats to get towards Hall of Fame careers. Mike Trout is going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best players ever. But Christian Yelich, some of these other guys, you know, that really need the service time and the games to have the output to be considered to be some of the greats in baseball. And that's where I'm starting to get frustrated is that we're going to miss a year of guys like Mike Trout. How about Ted Williams? He had a legitimate cause too, World War II. He went and served his country. And we missed out on some great prime years of guys like Ted Williams. And that kind of mirrors that for me with Mike Trout. We're going to see his career and we're eventually going to look back in the year 2030 when he eventually retires and we're going to go, man, what if he had played a whole season in 2020 in the middle of his prime? And that's going to be hard for me to, to, to really, you know, think about because I feel frustrated for guys like this. And then you take it even further and you go to the Los Angeles Dodgers. They traded some nominal prospects, but they did make a relatively big trade to bring in David Price and Mookie Betts. Guess what? Season disappears, so does Mookie Betts, unless they raise the ante and sign him as a free agent. But he's going to go out there and try and get George Springer money. Funny I bring up George Springer because guess what? Astro fans are going to miss out on George Springer. There's a, there's a pretty healthy list. The Astros could literally look like, drastically look like a different team in 2021 because as I wrote it down, I had to write it down. Obviously, you're going to lose a year of JV and Granke, already Hall of Famers in my mind. 
and then you're going to lose Springer. Carlos Correa could be gone to uh, free agency also. Michael Brantley, you're going to lose the last year of his contract. Josh Reddick, you're going to lose the last year of his contract. Obviously, there's going to be other guys uh, at the back end of the bullpen or some of these other guys that are going to move on also. But that is a bulk of your outfield, if not the entire outfield, that is going to be gone in the upcoming 2021 season. And you would lose them without seeing them play. And that frustrates me greatly. I don't know how you feel about it. And I hate to be the naysayer. I hate to be the captain negative on this show or the, you know, uh, negative Nancy, whatever you want to call me. But it was something that kind of struck me as I was falling asleep the other night going, man, if this season doesn't happen, not only am I going to miss calling games, we are going to miss out on some great, great talent. And as much as the Dodgers bitch and moan about what the Astros did, I feel for them and what their season could have been because right now they look like the Buffalo Bills and in adding David Price and Mookie Betts to that lineup, this might've been their year. They've got to feel cheated out of this thing. Pardon the pun. Nice pun. Debbie Downer. Um, Yeah. You know, I I think what you said is absolutely true and, and certainly on point. And we've talked about the frustration of this year and the type of year it's been for everybody. But I also think because there's a bigger picture, I mean, you, Ted Williams is a perfect example that you brought up. And there are plenty True. of other players that, um, you know, went to World War II and, you know, uh, served their country and did some things that, you know, kind of caused a, a break or a hiatus um, in, in careers. It, it is not, and it, it, on this podcast, it's always kind of my role to speak for the little guy. We already talked about the minor league players because that's where I, uh, I spent the, uh, the, the entirety of my professional baseball career and uh, what Shinsu Chu did really would have made an impact. I'm thinking of the little guys. So Mike Trout, you already pointed out hall of famer, you know, Clayton Kershaw, probably hall of famer, JV's a famer. Great. Um, from all the numbers he's put up. I mean, I think his best years are probably behind him, but that, you know, he's a, a borderline or you know, a, a close to hall of fame type pitcher. Well, so so this last year, year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, right. You know, so, he, he's probably feeling pretty good about himself, even though he had surgery, but geez, man, if you actually bring up a good point with the older guys too, because the way that the analytics set up and some of these algorithms, there's a regression to it. So you're losing what could have been maybe another great year before that regression actually happens for guys like Granke or JV. Yeah, exactly. And so I guess my point is that those guys, they're, they're kind of already solid in their ways, but it's the Mm -hmm. guys, like you said, a guy like Mookie Betts is now an established big leaguer, but losing a, a year of his performance in his prime, regardless of whether it's for the Dodgers, the Red Sox, or whomever he decides to sign with in the future. And I think, you know, being that little guy or being a guy that was, you know, looking to, you know, that little, you know, that little crack that I could jump into to get, you know, my cup of coffee or my service time in the big True. leagues. Like those are the guys, you know, the guy that got called up and he's on the 40 man this year. Like you said, yay, he's going to get his 40 man service time or he's going to get credit for that. But he he's losing a year of, you know, actually playing and team what he can do. And next year they might sign and, some and guy that takes his spot. Of, of big league minimum money too. That's a great Exactly. Point. So all of those things are the things that I'm, I'm, thinking about in it on a little bit of a deeper level, but I think ultimately the overall, the overall point, I mean, even people like the concessions people and the television folks like yourself and Todd and Julia, I mean, you guys do this as a career and your career is, you know, predicated on the major league baseball season. And who knew that we'd be in a position like this, but I'm thinking about the little guy more so than those guys. But if you put it all in the same bucket, it's disappointing. It's just plain disappointing. 
Um, I did have, I have a neighbor who's a PhD probiologist company. He said that we've never had um, a time where we're throwing all the, the um, scientific resources at one thing, probably since HIV. He mentioned wow. um, SARS and he mentioned um, Ebola, but those were kind of smaller cases. He yeah. said, we, are, we have so many people working on this. And so, you know, you can be Debbie Downer. I'm always the optimist. He didn't have a solution, but if we don't have a solution in two months, he's saying that 18 month window could be down to 12 to 10 months because of the amount of resources and the amount of, um, uh, you know, the depth of science and the depth of um, importance on this, on this topic. So um, I'm not trying to, to brighten everybody by saying that, but I think when it comes to the, what you're saying, absolutely true from the nuts and bolts of the analytics and the statistics and the, the, the high end players. But I'm thinking more about the guys that were, this was the year they were going to get their break. And this was the year they were going to get service time. This was the year they were going to make that money. It's, it's a lost year um, to this point and we'll have to see how it, how it shapes up, but it's uh, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a tough one for everybody. No, I completely agree from top to bottom. I mean, it is, it is literally affecting everybody and there are bigger pictures out there. And that was just the selfish baseball side of me wanting to see what these guys were going to be able to do in 2020 to move forward in their career. Because eventually what we do is we get on these podcasts and we talk about guys in years past and what they were able to do and uh, in complete astonishment of what they were able to uh, contribute on the baseball field. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's one man's opinion and that's why you call it Blum and Blummer. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'll, I'll just add one last thing to the Blum and Blummer topic. I, when you do talk about somebody like Trout, if Trout can get close to Pete Rose, I mean, you know. Uh, Altuve is the guy I was talking about. Oh, Trout, Altuve, that's hits, right. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, if he could get to, like you said, 3,800 hits or 3,900 oh, hits or something like big. Could you imagine? And he missed, yeah, but he missed a year or two, you know, and you're sitting around that threshold. Um, I, What you said has a lot of, carries a lot of value and carries a lot of weight when we're talking about specifics from baseball um i didn't mean to get us off topic for that but you know like i said this is a this is a very unique time in the world and uh and i think we're all missing out on some uh, on some fantastic things hopefully we're able to appreciate it when uh when we see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah definitely a lot to appreciate when we get things back on the field uh, no matter what sport you're into and no matter how you feel about getting out in the public hopefully we do flatten this thing out and maybe we uh, get out of this thing sooner than later. That would be a great thing to see happen, but uh, we appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast. Y'all have done a great job. And I know it's a bit of a transition right now because we are both talking to you via the podcast and on YouTube. And remember you can go to youtube.com type in social Nostra and then find that channel, subscribe to it, rate, review, comment, thumbs up, thumbs down. Let us know what you're thinking. Get on there and get a good visual on get all your eyes on Tuttle and I as we go through these podcasts talking to you because now we actually get to talk at you now that we can uh, get our faces out there see some of the reactions that I, Tuttle gets from me and some of my crazy thoughts as they go out there but we appreciate all of you continue to listen on all platforms for the podcast the numbers are bouncing back that means a lot of more people are getting uh, back into the fold of podcasts we appreciate you and another reminder, you can go to bleacherblums.com. You can find links to all our shows, both audio and video. And obviously, the mailbag is there. You can get some Bleacher Blums gear if you want it. Uh, but Tuttle, I'm going to give you some final last words if you want to go for it, man. What do you got? 
Yeah, no, just a, a big shout out to uh, Social Nostra, as you said, N-O-S-T-R-A. Um, it's kind of great to be on the uh, on the web as well. I, I don't know if I like having the shower and like comb my hair before we get on this thing, but maybe next time. That's right, you don't do it, but next time we can all wear wigs. You pulled a wig out of your Halloween basket, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find my Halloween garb, and we'll see if we can't turn this into an exciting dress up day. What? Well, it won't be what'll Tuttle say. It'll be what what color will Blummer's hair be? You look pretty good with that thing. I I'm actually going to go with it. This is going to be my Bieber. I'm going to go with the Bieber <laughs> the rest of the year, dude. Here we go. That's a Bieber? I like it. I don't know. I, mean, it may, I don't Man. know. It feels like I, I sat on it for a month and put it on my head. <laughs> it looks great, man. You're, you're, you got to go with a new hairstyle. Growing her out and... It's the same as the frosted tips. But anyway, so uh, yeah, so just uh, we're super excited to be part of that network and uh, that group. Good to be with crazy ass time. And uh, again, I, I know you'll touch on this too, but a uh, shout out to first responders and um, anybody in the healthcare industry that's on the front lines, you know, stay healthy, stay safe. Um, you know, I think uh, this too shall pass, but we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see for that. And uh Maybe in July we'll be talking and we won't say it's the worst year ever, but I think that's the consensus out there so far. So Blummer, I'll throw it back to you and uh, always good to be with you, brother. Thanks, dude. Thanks for putting up with me. It's been fun being on this podcast uh, again. Yeah. Thanks to Social Nosher for taking their time with us. And, and, uh, and hopefully we, hopefully this whole thing ends before I actually am not wearing a wig and this is my actual hair because it grows out so quick. But uh, <laughs> thanks to all the first responders, everybody in the military, all the healthcare providers are out there putting your putting yourselves out there in harm's way to take care of those in need. Obviously, everybody working in the supermarkets and all those essential places that we need you, you're putting yourself out there. We greatly appreciate you. Pray for your safety. Everybody who is listening to this podcast or watching, don't do my hairdo. Wear the mask, wash the hands, and be safe, be fresh. But most of all, believe it. Oh, wait, I blew it. Get after it and believe it. You can edit that.